Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Today, my guest is Anne Leslie, CEO of Lar Housing Trust. Morning, Anne. Good morning. Now, you've got an interesting background, so why don't we start off by hearing about your journey to where you are now as Lar CEO? Uh, thanks, Gillian. So, yes, I've uh, certainly had a varied career. Uh, I guess it was kind of inevitable that I would end up working in housing in some shape or form, having spent my first proper job after my law degree as a plaster decorator in Canada. Um, to an extent it's simply been a case of just being in the right place at the right time so I had a very enjoyable career with a fantastic law firm McRoberts where I specialised in large infrastructure projects leaving as a partner in 2009 then after spending some time at home with the kids uh, I started working for the Scottish Futures Trust which is a government quangle in their housing team so the Scottish Futures Trust was a very dynamic place to work and they came up with the idea of LAR to provide in perpetuity mid-market rental homes to fill a gap in the market for those people who struggle to afford private rents, but who are also unlikely to be offered a social home. So mid-market rent homes, um, sometimes called intermediate rent, uh, they sit between social rent and private rent accommodation and hence Lara was born and I was dropped in as anchor to set it up and get it going. Five years later, um, I'm still here. Well, LAR it's, it's a not-for-profit charity which differs from other housing organisations in that it, it solely focuses on mid-market rental or MMR as we know it. So tell us about the main aims of LAR as well as its ethos. Uh, yes, that's right. So put simply, LAR aims to provide as many good quality, affordable homes as we can for rent in well-located, desirable areas across Scotland and then provide a professional and caring service to our tenants and their families. Um, but there's so much more to a home than what you just pay for it in your rent. So we're very mindful of the fact that people want to put down roots, they want to stay in their communities, they want to have a home that they're proud of, and they want to have the security of knowing that the landlord will fix repairs um, quickly, they'll treat them with respect and leave them to enjoy their home without having to worry about unexpected rent increases or their home being sold from underneath them. Um, so many of our policies are reflected of, of that ethos and we very much encourage our tenants to treat their property as their own whilst they're living in it. Perfect. Well, LAR, it relies solely on loans, not grants. So can you talk us through your finance model? Sure. Um, LAR is financed uh, primarily by a £55 million low interest rate, 25 year loan from the Scottish Government. And that was the funding that really got us going, got us started. And we start actually to repay that loan in a couple of years time. Uh, a couple of years after we were operational in 2017, we added a further £65 million um, of commercial loan from Scottish Widows, arranged through the Bank of Scotland. So in total, we've got a pot of £120 million with which to buy homes and then rent them out at mid-market rent levels. Okay. The income that Lara, yeah, the income that LAR gets from these rents then pays the interest on the loans, man management and maintenance costs, life cycle overheads, and repayment of the loan principal as well. So the difference between LAR's financial model and a grant-based model is that LAR is not entitled to retain any of the public finance that it has. So every penny invested in LAR by the Scottish Government will be repaid over a normal mortgage term with a very small amount of interest. 
Hopefully this is good news for the taxpayer because the money which the government has lent to LARC can then be reallocated and used on whatever public service is needed at the time, be that more affordable housing, NHS, schools, just whatever is highest on the priority list at that time. But it's a very sustainable model and hopefully one that will grow in application as public resources are more and more stretched. Indeed. Um, well, the Scottish Government it, it pledged to build 50,000 affordable homes in Scotland by the end of its term, and they were obviously on track to achieve this target. However, the pandemic has hindered the progress. Um, LAR has a fairly significant number of sites now, so how have LAR contributed to this pledge and where are your developments located? Uh, yes, LAR has uh, 39 sites now spread throughout Scotland, so from Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire to Fife, East East Lothian, Midlothian, Edinburgh, Falkirk, Glasgow, Ayr, Perth and Kinross. Um, yes, LAR has quite a, a large geographical spread across Scotland. Um, our average site size is in between 20 to 30 homes, but the smallest is four, four flats in Cults in Aberdeen, and the largest single development is in Parkhead in Glasgow. We've got 64 flats on one site there. So quite a mixture of type and size and locations of homes, but as each and every one that we build is rented out at a mid-market rent, um, all of the homes that LAR builds will be able to be counted towards Scottish Government and local authority affordable housing targets. Now, you oversaw LAR's first design and build development located at the former Kirkenzie Boatyard. Now, looking at your whole portfolio, LAR appears to acquire sites that would present quite a challenge. In fact, I read that you said sites that others would simply walk away from. <laughs> so what's the, what's the reasoning behind the sites that you choose? Uh, yes, we, we, we do tend to choose sites that many others would walk away from. And in fact, Kikenzi is a, a case in point. Uh, when we first bought that site, when I first saw it, um, planning permission for housing had just expired. Um, and the site, I, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. It's right on the harbour at Kikenzi. But I think the combination of demolition of existing buildings that were in a very poor state of repair, building a new seawall, constructing on a tight site, the viability of the project was very, very questionable. Um, however, I'm afraid one look at the view that our tenants would have from their windows and I was completely sold. So um, oh. so we took it on, it reapplied for planning and um, it's now a really, really lovely development. Uh, it's proven to be extremely popular with tenants and it's, it's transformed the entrance to Kikenzie if you're driving in on Edinburgh Road. So for all of our sites, um, we need to be convinced that the end result will be a good quality, desirable home uh, they need to work from a financial perspective and they need to be in an area with local facilities and a community that you'd be that you would want to live in uh, uh, you know be proud to live in now i read that lar makes decisions quickly so how is lar able to achieve swift processes in the construction industry well, that's a great question. Um, good governance, appropriate delegated decision making, <clears throat> and we've got a team that's trusted to make the right decisions and get on with their job. So the quickest LAR has bought a site is three weeks from the original phone call to having the keys in our hands as the paint was drying and completion certificate winging its way across. So. Yeah, so yeah, it can be done quickly. It just depends on which stage you're, you're at at the development. And LAR ensures that all of its sites are tenure blind. So can you explain to the listeners what this term means, please? Yes. Uh, in essence, tenure blind means that you could walk past any one of our properties and you wouldn't know whether it's a privately owned house, a private rental or an affordably rented house. So the house looks and feels like all the other houses or flats in the area. At a more granular level, we don't put up any permanent signage with LAR's logo or anything else that identifies the building as ours. 
And the rationale for that is that it's our tenants' homes and whether they own it, rent it or anything in between, it's a question for them and for us and not of interest to any passerby or anyone else. Yeah. And then the MMR model, it doesn't just appeal to young people, does it? I mean, can you tell us about the demographics of your tenants and the eligibility criteria? That, that's right. So um, the demographics of our de developments tend to reflect the demographics of the local community where our houses are situated. So we have a very diverse mix of tenants uh, in terms of jobs. We have a number of nurses, delivery drivers, shop workers, administrative staff, teachers and so on. Uh, the majority of our tenants are relatively young, um, in between the ages of 18 and, and 30, um, often leaving home for the first time or in new relationships. But we also have a good number of retired people. And as our housing stock changes and we're, get, we're buying and building more and more family homes, we've got more and more families. Um, the eligibility criteria that we use is different depending on the location and the type of property. Right. Which essentially, new tenants need to earn below a certain threshold to be considered for a house. And if there's more than one person applying for the house, we then have priority criteria. Uh, and they include things such as if they're currently living in unsuitable accommodation, whether they work or a family in the area, or actually we have a fair number of internal transfers now as people's family sizes change and they need bigger or smaller houses or job location changes and they want to stay with us, but just in a different property in a different location. Well, LAR recently received approval for a church conversion in Edinburgh's Fountain Bridge area. Can you tell us about this you know, sort of exciting project and any other new sites in the pipeline? Yeah, yeah, we were absolutely thrilled to get planning permission for, for the Fountain Bridge site um, and also really pleased with the reaction of the local community who have uh, who've been very supportive of our plans. So this is one of our more challenging sites. It involves converting an old church, which is currently bricked up, uh, and we're changing it into four townhouses and then building a block of 10, one and two bedroom flats in the grounds. So the church building itself is absolutely beautiful. It's lovely stone and inside on the, on the first floor, there are beautiful sandstone arches, which we've incorporated into the design of the rooms and the windows, they're all away because they're all bricked up, but the, the revealed stonework surrounding the windows arches are really stunning. Uh, and to top it off on the top floor, there's an enormous circular window with views over the canal to the north of Edinburgh. So with a little trepidation, I'm really looking forward to starting work on that project. We've there another nice some demand. What? Sorry, I just kind of, well, yeah. On you go. On you go. I just meant to ask about the demand that you actually will get for for, for most of your sites, and particularly um, a site like this, a development like this. Uh, the demand tends to be huge, to be honest. Um, so we bought a development in Falkirk just before Christmas there, and we've only 13 flats and we had over 200 inquiries within the first you know, 36 hours. So um, all of our developments do tend to get quite a, a, a high um, demand. Sites like this, providing family houses right in the middle of Edinburgh, I think um, it will be, the demand will be absolutely huge. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, it's very difficult, actually, when you get loads and loads of people wanting a house. You, you feel a bit guilty that you can't, can't house them all. So we've nine uh, other sites in the pipeline, all of which are exciting in their own, own reasons. But one which is quite close to my heart is a site we've got in Kingswells in Aberdeen. And we bought that site because we already have a development in the area. Um, but we've a few tenants in that development who are struggling with their stairs now. And at the other end, we've got 
tenants whose families are growing and the houses are too small now for them and we've no three bedroom houses in the area. So we surveyed our tenants in Kings Wells and in Cove, it's about a 15 minute drive away, um, so we could get their input into the design and as a consequence we are now subject to final planning building bungalows in addition to the two-storey houses. We've changed the layout of the rooms, so everyone will have a dining kitchen as well as a good-sized living room. There are en-suites, private gardens and driveways. Everybody wanted a driveway. Um, so most of the houses will have driveways rather than shared parking. And to top it off, there'll be a community orchard and a woodland walk going around the perimeter of the site. So this is truly a project where our tenants have helped to influence the design and layout of the site and the homes. And yeah, I'd love to do more of that sort of personalised build in the future. Absolutely. Well, in December, I mean, Laura was the first Scottish business and Scottish charity to be awarded the esteemed international ESG kite mark in recognition of its sustainability credentials. So what does this award mean to Laura? Um, I think most of all, the ESG kite mark represents an important statement about how we go about business and how responsible ESG credentials, policies, practices are inherent in everything that we do. Of course, there are always ways in which businesses can do better, including ourselves, and we're striving to do just that. So, for example, we're looking at um, more ground source heating solutions um, for new developments that we're building and also looking at enhanced solar panels for the homes that we build. And wherever possible, we're phasing out gas as a means of heating before we're legally required to do so. We're also a bit like the Wombles um, as well. So if we buy a site and there are materials on it that can be used elsewhere, we do tend to try to do that. So, for example, we bought a, a, an old commercial building in Edinburgh, Westwood House, which is now we've turned that into 47 flats. And one of the floors in the old building had just been refurbished. So... We've uh, snaffled all the ceiling tiles and they're now in our office building in Dunfermline. So if we use anything from, from sites that we buy over, we do try to do that wherever we can. Well, it'd be impossible not to mention the pandemic and ask how Lara's been affected by the whole situation and how it's adjusted to the new practices required. Yes, it's certainly been a challenging year for everyone, but um, we got organised pretty early on and had our COVID policy drafted and distributed to staff the week before lockdown started in March. So everybody's been working from home more or less since then. We're very lucky that being a young organisation, our IT systems were capable of adapting to 100% home working. And we've always been able to operate a flexible working system you know, since we started at LAR. So the staff have been fantastic and, and coped really well. Similarly, our tenants have been great. We relaxed a few of our policies so that life being stuck at home was a bit easier. Uh, and our property managers have been brilliant at phoning our more vulnerable and older tenants to make sure they're OK and have everything that they need. Many of our tenants are actually the key workers who've kept this country running the past year. So I think we're all hoping that things get back to normal soon. And a huge amount of credit and thanks must go to them and also to the researchers and teams who are now delivering the vaccines to us all so quickly. Absolutely. Well, yeah. the Scottish Government has further sought to protect tenants from eviction during the pandemic by introducing a ban on evictions in December, which they've now extended until the end of March. So what's your view on any unintended consequences of this decision? Uh, well, firstly, I'm really pleased that the Scottish Government have listened to the concerns of the industry and they're still allowing evictions to take place where antisocial behaviour or domestic abuse is an issue. I, I guess the only two concerns I have which remain are that when people don't pay their rent, they can get into debt and it can mount up and become completely unmanageable very quickly. And that's extremely stressful to deal with. So by extending the 
ban, it doesn't get rid of the problem. It just pushes it down the road for some people. And with debt mounting up so much, it, it, there's a possibility that it will become so huge and so unsurmountable that the stress of coping with it will be as big as the, the problem of the debt itself. The second concern I have is that our commercial and legal system is built in stability and the remedies that we have being available to both parties are enshrined in law. If that legal right, right is whipped away, what remedy is left? So, and if it's continually whipped away, how will that affect investors' appetite to invest in Scotland? I always like to end the interview on a light note. So what are you most looking forward to doing once life returns to some form of normality that we knew pre-pandemic? Oh, having friends round to the house must come top of the list. <laughs> friends and family, I should say. Um, going to the pub, not having to use Zoom and Microsoft Teams quite so often. I think the list of things is really growing da daily. Yes, you're looking forward to getting back into the office more regularly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm really missing not seeing the staff. And um, I mean, they have been absolutely brilliant. And working from home, uh, working from home is great a few days a week. But I think you do need to to get together and see each other, particularly when you've got younger members of staff. Um, I do worry that they're not able to pick up things because you miss out on those water cooler conversations and just yes. watching how older, more more experienced members of staff handle things. I know, I think we're starting to appreciate more and more what we actually get from the benefits from the office and the office culture. Um, do you think there'll be any aspects of lockdown then that you think you'll look back and remember with fondness? Yes, absolutely. Um, on a personal level, um, my oldest daughter is away at university and to have her back home for an extended period was, was really lovely. Uh, we also had a family movie night every night um, at the beginning of lockdown. So every we went night, through... gosh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else to do so so yeah so we went through the whole Avengers series Harry Potter Oceans <laughs> 11 12 13 and various other box sets complete with popcorn and ice cream oh, um, so not made for the waistline uh, so that was yeah. lovely um, we can all worry yeah, about that later <laughs> yeah oh well, thank you very much Anne thank you you're very welcome thank you very much I'm Gillian Sandler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk.